right, I want to draw your attention to verse 9 of Proverbs chapter 21. It says, It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. That's, that's good. That's good preaching right there. We can just shut it down right there. And we've all been edified just by that one verse right there. I mean, that's just a fact. That's, that's, there's so much truth to that. Uh, we can all relate. We were talking about Samson and Delilah the other night. And, you know, who cares if they're pretty if they can grieve your soul to the point of death from nagging, which is pretty much what she did with Samson. As strong as that guy was, he couldn't handle that nagging that that woman was doing. It made him miserable and wanted to die. That's the, that's the power that women have, that, that they can have over men. And, you know, and I'm not going to talk a whole lot about that, even though I'm, I can see all the guys getting fired up. And it's like, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's camp here for a while. But this is something we can all definitely understand. And uh, I, I picked this verse to start it off with because, again, we're finishing up five weeks of messages on Sunday nights about families. And we've been talking about necessary qualities for a successful family, and specifically if you are going to raise a successful IFB type family, one that your kids are going to want to grow up and they're going to want to continue being independent fundamental Baptists, not, not just in doctrine, but in practice. I, you know, we want them to continue the way of life that we have. We believe it's a good way of life. We believe that the principles that we live by are good and they will make you happy. We believe they are obedience to the scriptures. We don't believe they're why we are saved. That's, we're not saved because of our IFBisms, but we do believe that we're being obedient to God. We're being, we're following the scriptures, and we do believe that these will produce a better life. But at the same time, we have a movement of people today who are very critical of the IFB. They are critical with all things that identify the independent fundamental Baptists, and they all want to tell their stories about how they used to be an independent fundamental Baptist, and they did all the things. They dressed like the IFB. They used the King James Bible. They did all the stuff, but you know now they're recovering from it, and they blame it for all their problems in their life. And I listen to what these people say, and it's just like you know I see right through it, and and I'm and I'm telling you right now that. There's, there, while there's a lot we could say about that, one of the things that we're seeing that we have been harping on every night is there are just some elements that you can't leave out. There are some ingredients that you can't leave out if you want to make something that tastes good. And if you want to be a good, well-rounded, balanced Christian, you are not going to make it by being all hardcore in certain areas and then just eliminating other things. There, We need to be the full package. And so we talked about in the first week, we talked about, what did we talk about the first week? I don't even remember. But we, I know godliness is one of the things we talked about. We should practice godliness. I know service was something we talked about. Faithfulness, that was the first week. Faithfulness, service, godliness. And then last week we talked about... Yes, that's all right. I was seeing if you were listening. I couldn't remember either. Yes, compassion, forgiveness, and mercy. Uh, we, we talked about all those things. If you decide you're going to leave one of those things out, you are, it's, just, it's not going to work out good. It's, the product is going to taste terrible. And so the last one that we're going to look at 
while we need to do all these things that we've talked about, and there's more things we could talk about, I'm just here today to tell you that in your family, if you do not have joy, your kids are not going to want what you have. What you have is not going to taste good. It is not going to be complete. We need joy in our homes. We need to be joyful as Christians. And there are many people out there who call themselves independent fundamental Baptists, who definitely can check off a bunch of the boxes when it comes to their IFB credentials. I mean, they're, they're following all the rules. If you ask them, you know, they've got the dress standards. They have the music standards. You know, they're not going to listen to none of that contemporary stuff. Some of them are so hardcore, they won't even listen to Southern Gospel. They won't listen to anything with a drum in it. And hey, you know, I'm all for high music standards. They are three to thrive. They're at every church service. They've got all the outward things down. They've got the hairstyles right. They've, they've, got, they've got the look. They go soul winning. They sing specials. They're fixtures in their churches. I mean, it's just it's weird if you don't see them there. In that church, they are involved. They're at the activities. They serve in their churches. They're, you can find them involved in every ministry. They are faithful in every area where they are expected to be faithful. They definitely have a, a level of godliness or at least for sure a certain form of godliness that would be promoted in that church. So if it is dress standards, if it's certain hairstyles, if it's certain music standards, whatever, whatever that church is emphasizing, they are emphasizing that in their life. They, they can check off all those boxes, but at the same time, while they can check off all those boxes, they're still miserable. And let me tell you, there's a lot of IFB people that meet all the credentials and they're not happy. They're miserable and their homes are a war zone. And I'm here today to tell you, if your home life is miserable, your kids are going to do whatever they've got to do to escape it as soon as they possibly can. And it might seem strange, may seem strange to think about someone who meets all this criteria, you know, of a good IFB family. It's hard to imagine them being miserable people. But I'm here to tell they to tell you, it's way more common than I would like it to be. It's very common. And again, this goes back to my message on godliness. Godliness isn't about you living up to some IFB standard. That's not what it's about. It's about a direction you're going. It's supposed to be about a walk with God. It's supposed to be about a desire to please Him. And the reason I think so many saved IFB types, they can check off all the boxes on their pastor's list, but yet they're still miserable, is because they're living in willful disobedience. It's like, you know, your pastor, he's not the Holy Spirit. He can't tell you everything that you have to do. You need to have a walk with God yourself. And I think there's a lot of people in IFB churches, they know that they should be doing more. They know that there's more that you know, God expects of them, but they have decided, no, I'm just going to do what's expected of me by the church. And they're in willful disobedience. You, know, you, need, to, you need to step up your game sometime. And I, I, don't think it's hard to, I don't think it's hard at all to live up to the outward standards of pretty much any church. And many people in IFB churches are outwardly on the surface living up to all the things that would make them members in good standing in their churches, but their home is still a terrible place. And I want to, I want to show some verses here because just understand, you can be guilty of every one of these things that we're about to read. And did you know you can still be a member in good standing and respected in pretty much any IFB church? But at the same time, just because you're respected in this church doesn't mean your kids are going to want what you have if it's like this. Because 
First off, Proverbs 21, 9, we already read. It's better to dwell in the corner of a house up than a brawling woman in a white house. Did you know there's a lot of brawling women that nag their husbands to the point of death, like Delilah, who they don't do it in church. You know, I mean, they don't do it in front of other people. Please don't do that, man. Ladies, good night. You know, you, you don't want, you know, don't. I would hate to see some lady in here just disrespecting her husband, nagging her husband, all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, a lot of the really bad marriage stuff typically happens in the house. It doesn't happen in the church. So you can have a terrible marriage and fool everybody in the church. Did you know I've been fooled many times? I mean, I've been fooled many times where I thought everything was great in somebody's family. And then one day things just blow up and they just tell me all the stuff that's going on. I'm like, I had no idea. I mean, just absolutely no idea. It's not that hard. It says in Proverbs 21, 19, it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Hey, nobody wants to live with an angry woman. No, nobody wants that. It's nice to have a large house, but you'd be better off in the corner of a housetop than inside a nice house with a brawling woman. You know, I'd rather live in a nice house than in a wilderness, but you're better off living in a wilderness than living with a contentious woman. Proverbs 25, 24, it is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman and in a wide house. So, I don't know why you did all those verses. They're all basically saying the same thing. Hey, I don't know why Solomon wanted to write it three times. I think it's just because it was just something that he really believed. And, you know, we, we tend to harp on things that we're really passionate about. And you know what? I guarantee it with Solomon's 700 wives, there was a couple brawling women in there. And so he knew what he was talking about here. And, you know, he probably wrote all these Proverbs at different times. And he probably wrote some of them down at different times, forgetting that he wrote the other one. But he got inspired that night, you know, when wife number 249 really gave it to him. And he wrote, he wrote that down. So, I, you know, uh, I, I can only speculate. But, you know, I have, I said, I've gone to church with women like this before. They, they totally had me fooled. You know, they, I, I mentioned Wednesday, the one woman who I had no idea... And I remember after they got divorced and her husband started telling me stories and I was just like, I had no idea. I had no idea it was like that. This is a good, good IV family. Members of a church in good standing. I mean, this lady, she was involved in things in the church and participated in a lot of different stuff. I had no idea. But let me tell you something. It was a, I mean, that woman was crazy and didn't know it. Uh, Proverbs 19, 13 says, A foolish son is a calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. And he said, a continual dropping. Have you ever just heard that drip, 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 and it just drives you crazy? Listen, you know, ladies, I mentioned this before. You know, if you have a problem, I think you're allowed to, you know, let your husband know when you're having a problem. But you don't have to let him know and let him know and let him know again and again and again. And it's just like a continual dropping. That, that's terrible. Don't do that. Don't do that to him. Proverbs 27, 15. A continual dropping in a very rainy day and, the, a, and a contentious woman are alike. And so I don't like all these verses. Well, so they're all in the Bible for a reason. Okay? We, pre- we preach all the counsel. And you listen, I, I'm showing you all this to just show you 
No one is happy who lives in a home with a contentious and angry woman. And did you know, ladies, you can put on skirts, you can do your hair all feminine, you can do all the things on the outside to make you look like a good, independent, fundamental Baptist lady, and you can still be a contentious and angry woman. And nobody's going to want to live with you. No, nobody's, going to want to have, nobody's going to want to be around you. And I'm just showing you all this to show that you, you know, just taking care of these outward things while ignoring these really big things, it's going to cancel out all those outward things that you're doing. And um, we already looked at, on Wednesday, we looked at uh, Judges 16, 16. It came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. I don't think the Bible's exaggerating there. I think he got to where he hated his life because of the contentions of this woman. Uh, turn over to Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 20. So notice how, you know, contentions, these are miserable things. Nobody wants to live around it. And you can. You can be contentious in your home. You can do all these things. We're not going to see it here in this church. Hey, and, and you can fool all of us in this church, but you're not going to fool the people who live in your house and they are going to want to escape it as soon as they can. And you are. You're a good. We might lift you up as a good model, independent, fundamental about this family, but yet your kids are going to abandon it so fast because all this stuff is going on. Um, in Proverbs 26, verse 20, it says, Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals, are to, uh, as coals are to burning coals, as wood to fire, so is the contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the valley. Now, we've been picking on the women for a little bit. And it's been good stuff. But, you know, now let's pick on the men for a little bit, too, because while Proverbs talks a lot about a contentious woman, here it's talking about a contentious man. And guess what it's talking about, too, with the contentious man? It's talking about a talebearer. It's talking about a gossip. Now, we like to act like women do all the gossiping. But let me tell you, men gossip as bad as women do sometimes. And men, when men gossip, too, they tend to just take it to another level. They just tend to really get things out of control. And so understand, when you have a talebearer, okay, when you, and, and listen, you can call this whatever you want. You can call it prayer requests. You know, you can call it, I'm just expressing concern about a brother to another brother so we can all pray for him. You, you can call it whatever you want. You know, I'm just concerned for him and the Lord laid him on my heart. You, you call it, you're, you're a talebearer, okay? And let me tell you something about gossips. Let me tell you something about talebearers. They're miserable people. Let me just do some stereotyping. Gossips are miserable people. Gossips' lives stink so bad, they get their comfort from focusing on problems in other people's lives because they need other people to be as wretched and miserable as they are and so the, the truth is, it's their way of just kind of making themselves feel better. It's their way of trying to help lift themselves up by tearing other people down. And I've never met, I, I've never met a happy gossip. Now, I've met a lot of gossips who are happy while they were gossiping. But these aren't happy people. These are not people with good marriages. These are not people who have happy children. These are typically homes of war zones and, and 
You see a husband, you see a wife who gossip. I'm, I'm just marking right down. That is probably a miserable family right there. I think you live a miserable existence. And let me tell you, you can dress up like the IFB. You can carry a King James Bible. You can go soul winning on the weekends. You can have all your doctrine right. But if you are a gossip, you are miserable. And what you're doing is wicked. And notice, this is where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. So in other words, if you are tailbearing, you have strife in your life. You are spreading strife. You are causing strife. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is the contentious man to kindle strife. Just like when you add wood, it adds fire. When you get around a contentious man, the fire spreads. You get around a gossip, the turmoil in their life will become turmoil in your life. It spreads. You're not going to put it out. Okay, now you could, if you did like the angry, um, as the north wind drives away rain, sort of an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. If you have the guts and you have the courage to strongly rebuke gossips, you actually could potentially help them. But when you're silent or when you, when you listen, when you participate, all you're doing is helping spread. You're, you're making yourself miserable. You're making them miserable. And then now if you go take to somebody else, you're making them miserable too. Says the words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. You are you are hurting yourself, not just on the surface. You are deeply hurting yourself. The, the contentions that you are bringing in your life, these things are going to they are going to affect you to the very core of who you are. They will they will change every aspect of who you are. And I'm just here today to tell you. You haven't got a chance of turning out a good family when you have no joy, and you don't have a chance of having any joy when you're a gossip and a talebearer. It's just not going to happen. You, you will have major issues. You, you will drive yourself crazy. You, your wife gets caught up in gossip. It'll drive her crazy. She'll be miserable. She'll be depressed. You'll be depressed. You'll be upset. You'll be contentious. You'll be angry. You, you have to keep that stuff out of your life and if your home is gossip central, if your home is where people go to give the prayer requests, to, to share the troubling news, whatever, just understand your kids haven't got a chance. They have, they, you can, and, and I refuse to pretend they have a bright future. Yeah, I hate playing pretend. And, um, it's just, it, it doesn't work. And it's just so that contentious man, it's a fire that spreads. You think this stuff's not going to spread to your children? It's going to spread to your children. It's going to affect them. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect your attitude. It's going to affect your children. And why in the world? When, when you go to a church where everybody's wicked, when you go to a church where everybody's horrible and you're always saying horrible things, what makes you think your kids are going to want to keep going to a place like that when they have a choice? Why would they want to do that? Listen, I, I, I hear preachers all the time preaching against eating roast preacher on Sundays. And I, I agree, you know, eat and roast preacher, meaning you go home on Sunday and you just complain about everything the pastor preached. And listen, I don't, I'm sure I mess up sometimes and I don't preach everything the greatest. But again, if you want your kids to keep coming to church, if you want them to keep coming to this church, it's not going to help if all you do is run down the preaching in this church. If it's that bad, you need to go somewhere where you can actually respect the preaching and appreciate it. Otherwise, there's not a chance your kids are going to keep doing it because they're not going to be so dumb. Your kids aren't going to be so dumb as to just attend a church 
where everybody's wicked, everybody's horrible, and the preacher's terrible. You know what they're going to do? They're going to have common sense. It's like, okay, our pastor stinks. Everybody in the church stinks. You know, we're the only ones that are good. Why do I need this church? I'm going fishing. I'm going golfing. Whatever it is they like doing. So, and, and, and then, these same people that are miserable, that gossip, all this stuff, I don't know what happened. I don't know why my kids got out of church. I do. I wouldn't want to go to the church that you talk about all the time. James 3.1. So again, what you say, it spreads. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation. For, it, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us and we turn them out their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and is set on course of uh, the fire on the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made out of the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Ladies and gentlemen, if you go home and you're having dinner and you have prayer and ask for God's blessing on your food, and then after you pray, you start vomiting out all kinds of just hip, you know, gossip about people in the church, about God's people, about your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're going to confuse your kids so great because that doesn't make sense. Out of the same mouth, we see blessing and cursings. It's not supposed to be like this, but that's exactly what's going on. And I'm just, I'm telling you, children who live with gossips, they have very little hope as Christians. They have very little hope. Because first off, the Bible says that tongue, it's, a, it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And let me tell you, you can't have poison constantly entering your mind without it eventually doing irreversible damage. You, you can't do it. You, you're giving them poison regularly and you think they're going to turn out good. You're poisoning them to the things of God. You're poisoning them to the people of God and you think they're going to want to have anything to do with these things. It's, it's going to catch up. You, know, you also can't expect kids who are made out of the same flesh that you are to get victory over the flesh when you constantly live an example of giving into the flesh. Because here's, here's why you say the things you say because the tongue's hard to tame but the bible says if you're able to if you can, can if you can tame that tongue that you're able to bridle the whole body and and listen don't read this passage and say well it's impossible to tame the tongue no it's impossible for me to tame your tongue okay but that doesn't mean you can't tame your own tongue okay if you and if you can do that you're perfect you're complete you're able to bridle the whole body so i can't tame anybody else's tongue I wish there was a way I could figure out how to do something and just stop and eliminate all gossip in the church. I can't do it. I, you can't control people's tongues. You can't do it. But that doesn't mean you can't do it yourself. And so just understand. Say, I like gossip. Well, just let's be honest and just say, I like dishing out poison. 
I like poisoning people's minds. And so the thing is, if you like poisoning people's minds, just understand that you're going to warp their mind, you're going to corrupt their mind, and eventually you're going to do irreversible damage. So I would recommend not poisoning their minds. And let me tell you something. You say, well, my kids are little. One of the most terrifying things when we, when we started parenting is when we started hearing our kids repeat stuff that, you know, it's like, I, I, you know, when, when, they, when they were real little, you know, they, when they're babies, they don't retain anything that you know of. But the kids started getting old. I remember they started repeating things. We freak out. It's like, oh, my goodness. And I, I remember when we got to a point in our marriage, like, we better be really careful what we say. Because these kids are repeating everything. You know, and, you know, we had to start using code words, too, you know, for spanking and stuff like that. Because, you know, and because, uh, you know, the kids be in public and they start saying things and you just uh, you got to watch out for that. These kids pick up a lot and and, you know, and they start picking up the codes, too. And so, you know, the truth is, it's just, you know, it's just best to have a house where you're just not bashing, bashing people, where you're not gossiping, not cursing, cursing people. It's not good. So you can't, another thing about the tongue, it's a fire. And you know, you can't always be starting fires without expecting it to damage those that are around you. A lot of times we want to start fires because we've got things we want to burn down. But the truth is fires get out of control real quick. And a lot of times people in an attempt to burn someone have started fires that did way more damage than they wanted to do. And we've all been there before. You got to watch out for that. And think about this too, and I, and, you, and, I, and I hope you don't think I'm being extreme right here, but I'm just, I think I'm being consistent with the Bible. But think about this, because again, we, ha- we have this attitude that we should always, um, you know, expect the best, and I do think we should always hope for the best for people. I mean, it is okay for you to hope for the best and wish for the best for everyone, but at the same time too, I'm getting tired of this attitude that we're all supposed to pretend we live in, you know, fantasy world, you know, just like we're supposed to pretend dudes that think they're girls or girls and so on like that. And let me tell you, I don't think I should have to pretend that a child living in a home with a gossip, a child living at home with miserable parents has a chance, a good chance of succeeding as a Christian. I hope they do. I wish that they will, but I don't expect it. And, and, and you know, here's because think about this. You know, what, why is it that our hearts are broken when we hear these stories about children that are adopted by sodomites? Our hearts are broken for those children. You know why? Because the chances of them not becoming perverted reprobates are very slim when they're raised in a home like that. I mean, there's, there's, almost, there's no way for a child to live in that type of environment and not have their mind warped in a big way. Now, it's possible. Okay? Man, thank God for grace. You know, thank God for, you know, what he's able to do. But folks, let's just face it, it's highly unlikely that somebody who's growing up in the home of abominations has really any chance of succeeding. Again, I, I think it could happen. I think maybe somebody could reach somebody at a young age. Maybe they have a safe friend that introduces to the gospel. You know, God can maybe protect them and shield them from some things. It's possible. Okay? But it's very, very unlikely. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 6.16, These six things that the Lord hate, 
Yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that devises wicked imagination, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's the seven that's an abomination. He that soweth discord among the brethren. The Bible says that's an abomination. That's the same thing he says about sodomites. And we think that somebody can live around that type of abomination and turn out good? Folks, do we have to live in fantasy land like that? Do I, I mean, am I expected, you know, does any, I know nobody in here does, but I mean, if I were, you know, invited to a queer couple's, you know, baby shower, okay, listen, I get it. That baby is innocent. That, that baby is innocent. But at the same time, do I have to like go celebrate something that is just has no chance, virtually no chance of turning out good? No. And why in the world am I supposed to act like things are going to be okay in your home if you're sowing discord among the brethren, speaking lies, gossiping, miserable? This is an abomination. God hates this kind of thing. So God's, I mean, aren't we all dependent on God's blessing? So what, how do we think God's going to bless when we're doing things that make him sick? It's just not going to happen. So I'm just, I'm telling you all this because there's too many Baptists. There's too many Baptists and a lot of them are these recovering people. They grew up in these homes where they did all these outward things. They looked the part. They dressed the part. They sang all the right songs. They used the right Bible. They had all these outward things, but they lacked some these very key important things and there was never a chance these things were going to succeed. And then what they do, instead of blaming the fact that their parents were gossips and miserable and phonies and all that kind of stuff, what do they want to do? They want to blame their problems on the fact that their girls had to dress like girls and the guys had to dress like guys and they had to use the King James Bible and all that kind of stuff. No, that had, that had nothing to do with it. That wasn't the problem. Because I grew up in a home that did all that stuff too. We did all those things. My parents spanked me. You know, my, my parents did all that. You know, my parents didn't let me do all the stuff that IFB parents don't let their kids do. You know, but at the same time, we had a happy home. We had joy in our home. You know, we had my, my parents. I mean, my parents for sure had love for the brethren. You know, growing up in my home, I mean, sometimes I'd get mad at the church people. And let me tell you, and me and my sisters, sometimes we'd start running our mouth about church people. And my dad would always nail us for it. We get creamed every time. I think it was our way of paddling, hoping he'd preach a sermon against him or something. No, never worked. All it did is got him preaching a sermon to us at home. And he was meaner in those sermons than he was in the pulpit. And we, I, I didn't like those sermons. But you know what? My, my dad, he didn't want us running down people in the church. He wanted us being respectful to people in the church. And let me tell you, I listened to enough of dad's preaching to recognize the fact that, hey, these people have a lot of issues. But you know what? He loved them anyway. And we were taught to respect them because they were adults. I, I remember there were some situations where I got, I remember one situation where I got in a lot of trouble because I was, I was very disrespectful to one of the adults in the church. And I remember I proceeded to tell my dad all the reasons they didn't deserve to be respected because they got, the, I, you know, I, I knew all their problems because I knew, heard all the preaching. I knew all the things people weren't supposed to do. And you know what my dad told me? He's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, they're an adult. You're just a child. 
You're supposed to respect your elders. You're supposed to be respectful to other adults. It's not your place to try to fix them or correct them. And he gave me no support. And he didn't even stand there and was like, yeah, they're sorry and pathetic and all that, but you just shouldn't have said it. No, he just creamed me. And that, you know what? That's how it's supposed to be. And that, that's, you know, my dad didn't want to have a miserable home that was a war zone. And he wasn't even going to let the kids spread that kind of stuff. And it really stunk because I wanted to say a lot of bad things about people sometimes. It just, it didn't work. Especially the teachers in the Christian school. And man, I always got creamed for that. And I wanted so bad to talk bad about them because I never deserved any of that trouble I got into. Well, it's, it's how I felt then. So just, when you have a ministry of condemnation of all the people that you're supposed to love, just understand your children will expect nothing less from you when they mess up. You cream everybody in the church when they mess up. Good luck getting them to come to you when they're struggling with something. You've, had no mer- you've, they, you've never had mercy on anybody. You've never showed compassion on anybody. You don't, you don't love the people in the church, even though you've been commanded to love them because they've got this problem, this problem, this problem. But then your kid has a problem, and what do they, they expect? They expect you to treat them the way you treat everybody else. And so you know what they're going to do? They're going to try to hide it from you. They're going to try to cover it up. You know, if you showed other people mercy, they would know, hey, you know what? They'll show me mercy. Remember the prodigal son? He's like, hey, my father, he takes better care of his servants than the way I'm being taken care of now. I'll go be a servant for my father. And he went back to his father. But you know what? One of the reasons we don't have a lot of prodigals returning home is because their fathers and their mothers treated everyone like garbage. They treated, they're, they're treated by the world the same way they were treated at home. They don't have any place to go running back to. So I'm telling you right now, that ministry of condemnation that you have of figuring out what's wrong with everybody, that your ministry is fruitless. It stinks. It's not going to help anybody. It's not going to do a bit of good. And you're ruining your family. You're ruining them. And so just like, just like we can't get excited about that child that was adopted by sodomites because... There's just no chance growing up in an environment like that. We can't get excited about a child whose home is miserable, that's full of fighting, anger, and gossip. What a terrible, terrible situation. And sometimes, sometimes that, this is why a lot of former Christians, you could say, you know, I, I know nobody can lose their salvation, but a lot of people who grew up living like an independent fundamental Baptist, they sometimes become the most dirty, perverted wretches that there are, is because... They have, they've been so turned against everything that's bad where there are some people, they grew up in homes that were wicked and they despise that wickedness. And so they actually end up turning out pretty good even though they might have grown up in a home of a drunkard and a drug addict and things like that. They have a hatred for sin and for wickedness. While that child that grew up in a Christian home who taught him a lot of good things that were outward at the same, same time, there was so much misery in that home, they now hate that which is good and righteous. And when you hate that which is good and righteous, you are much more likely to go into deep depravity than that person who kind of came out of a difficult situation. And so some of the most horrific people that you can find out there are people who at one time were church-going people. People who were actively involved in their church. Just some of the most disgusting, reprobate-type celebrity singers and stuff. They're people who got started in churches. But again, while they were doing stuff in church, it was never real on the inside for them. And now they hate those things. They absolutely hate those things. And you, you, have, you could be 
causing your children to hate the things of God. And it's not the things of God that are the problems. You've got, you've got a problem. So all we can really do when it comes to people in these hopeless situations is just try to be an example. We've got to be an example to them. We've got to try to be a light. And hopefully, you know, those children will reject what they were raised around and they'll seek after what you have. But we've got to be an example. We've got to be a light. We've got to show people how it's done. This is why it's important, you know, when you're, when you're working a job somewhere to be a good testimony. You are the only light some people will ever get. And we need to shine brightly. And so many people who've been raised in IFB families, they've sadly associated all things that identify IFB people with the things that make them miserable. And so they do. They see, they hear the word standards and they get PTSD. You know, they, they hear, you know, they, they hear a lot of these trigger words, you know, and it just, it, they lose it. But 1 John 5, 1 says, Whosoever believe, that believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth Him that begat loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. By this we know we are the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. Did you all hear that? His commandments are not grievous. And let me tell you, if God's commands are causing you grief, you're doing them wrong. God's commands do not make you grievous. They're not grievous. The problem is you're trying to obey God to make you or in reality your flesh happy instead of making God happy. Now, I want everybody to get this. Pay attention to what I'm saying right here. Because let me to explain this, let me ask you this question. Does it grieve you to do nice things for your children? Does it, does it grieve you you know, watching them open their presents on their birthday? You know, does, it, does it grieve you when you take them out for ice cream and they're all happy or you buy them candy? Does that grieve you? Okay. No, no, you enjoy doing that, don't you? Okay. But why do you enjoy doing that? Because you enjoy pleasing your children. Those things cost you money. I mean, you could buy yourself something with those things. There's plenty of things you could do for yourself but the truth is, if you're a decent parent, you enjoy making your kids happy. So doing things, you know, I mean, does it, does it grieve you making your wife happy? Right? And, and here, here's, the, here, here's probably a good way to illustrate this too. Some of you love your wife so much that you, there's probably lots of things that you do that you hate, but you don't even realize you hate them. Because you're not doing them because they please you. You're doing them because they please your wife. You know, maybe going shopping with your wife or visiting the in-laws or something like that. You know, some of you, some of you don't even know that's a miserable experience because, you know, you're doing it to, because it makes your wife happy. And so because it's making her happy, you know, you don't even think about it. Okay? But, you know, if your wife ever dies and you go visit the in-laws after that, you're going to be like, why did, have I ever done this type of thing? You know? And, and some of you say, oh, that's not me. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of being funny. But I think you get the point. Yeah, I think you get the point about that. So here's the thing. It, when it comes to God's commands, we're not doing these things for ourselves, or for sure not our flesh. We're doing these things for God. And if making God, you know, making God happy is a priority in our life, it's going to make us happy knowing that we're making Him happy. And so doing things for God rather than ourselves 
will make you a happy person. And doing things for others rather than doing them for yourself will make you a happy person. And what we have today, we got a lot of... It is the most normal thing in the world. And it's a selfish thing too, I guess. But it's just instinctive for us to try to make ourselves happy. Okay? Isn't that what... Don't we all want to make ourselves happy? Of course we do. Okay? Of course we all want to make ourselves happy. But the thing is, the Bible makes it clear the key to making ourselves happy is not by indulging our flesh in whatever it wants. That brings misery. What makes us happy is by doing things for God and doing things for others. John 13, 15, we talked about this with service. It says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done in you. This is after Jesus washed their feet. Verily, verily, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. How in the world is washing somebody else's feet going to make me happy? Well, it will if you, if you love those people. It will if you have love for other people. Doing things for others is what actually brings happiness. And too many people are doing IFB things to make themselves happy. Don't do IFB things to make yourself happy. Don't do IFB things to make Pastor Tommy happy. Do IFB things because they're in the Bible and it makes God happy. That's why that needs to be your motivation. Because let me tell you something. Tithing is not going to make you happy. Okay? Not, not your flesh. But, it make, but the thing is, if being obedient to God is what makes you happy, then you know what? It will make you happy. So honestly, I think it does make me happy. I love being able to do that. But, it, but at the end of the day, it's because I'm trying to please God. So that's got to be the focus. But it's a, it, most people are so self-centered. They're just thinking, all right, hey, these IFB people, they look pretty happy. I'm going to start doing what they're doing. And they, you know, they dress like them. They follow all the things that they do. But again, they're doing it trying to make themselves happy. No, if those people are happy, it's because they have a relationship with the Lord and they're following the Lord and they're doing what they're doing to make Him happy. And if you're doing it to make Him happy, you're not going to change your mind on it later like most people do. As soon as they leave a Baptist church, they leave everything behind they were doing before. But, you know, but if you're doing it to make God happy, you'll keep doing it. And let me tell you, that is one of the most discouraging things for any pastor. And I've heard many pastors lament this, and I'm right there with them. I agree. But nothing is more frustrating than having people that go to your church for years, dress IFB, they do all the IFB stuff. They go sewing everything, and then as soon as they get out of your church, they're not doing any of it. So it's like these people never were doing it for God. Because if, if you were doing it for God, you'd still be doing it. Okay? And you know, there, we might. And there's people that have been here. They went soul winning for Liberty Baptist Church. And proof of that is when they were no longer were in Liberty Baptist Church, they were no longer soul winning. But then there's other people that they left Liberty Baptist Church. They kept soul winning. You know why? Because they were soul winning for Jesus. And that's who you're supposed to be doing it for. And you know, the funny thing is, people who soul win for Liberty Baptist Church, they don't find happiness as a result of it. But people who do it for Jesus, they do find happiness. And, uh, and most people are doing all these outward things for themselves. You've got to do it for Christ. We must never forget the source of happiness is not fulfilling the desires of our flesh, but doing the will of God. And it will often put your flesh, doing the will of God will often put your flesh in difficult situations, but you can come out of the fiery furnace not even smelling like you were near smoke. It's just, and Bible says in 1 Peter 3.14, 
But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. I just don't believe that. Well, I recommend believing the Bible. When you suffer for righteousness' sake, you're happy for it. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. I've got, I got several phone calls this week because of, and, and emails because of stuff I preached. But you know what? It didn't make me feel bad. You know why? Because what I said was right. And so it's like, I don't know, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I've been called out before in areas where I've been wrong, and that stinks. I don't enjoy that. But you know what? When I get cussed out for doing right, it doesn't bother me. It really it doesn't bother me. I sleep just fine. And I got to live. First Peter 3.14 this week. First Peter 4.12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory should be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part is evil spoken of, but on your party is glorified. Several of the things I've been rebuked for this week was for not being like Christ when all I did was preach what Christ said. I mean, that's it. I, I was just preaching the Bible, and yet, oh, it's not very Christ-like. Well, I mean, yeah, not the Christ that you made up. Not the one that you conformed to your own image. So, uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. It just tells me I'm doing something right. You know, there's some people that you don't want to be on your side. And there are people who have a whole bunch of letters associated with them. that start with LGBTQ, SDD. So just, uh, I, don't want them, I don't want those people on my side. Uh, the Beatitudes, won't go through them, but you know, Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn. All these things that it says, go through them. Blessed are ye. It's all negative things. It's all things that we would associate with stuff that would make us unhappy. But Jesus said, no, it's just the opposite. Okay? And the truth is, our flesh doesn't know what it wants, but it says at the end, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. Listen, if that verse is true, and guess what? It is. I got a bunch of rewards this week. I mean, just, just for preaching the truth. And you don't believe me? I, deleted, I had to delete those, uh, some of those messages that had a lot of profanity in it. But, um, but you know, I, I probably should have said that. I, I, I got some good rewards this week. I got, I got reviled. Pretty good. Uh, uh, but I'm okay with that. Psalm 37.1 Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And you can go through all 37. I comfort myself regularly with Psalms 37. I do regularly because there's a lot of people. I'm looking forward to seeing them get cut down. And just as sure as for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and I am saved and I have the proof in my in my body of the Holy Spirit, I have the proof of that. These people, these evildoers are going to be cut down like the grass and they're going to wither as the green herb. And I take comfort in that. And you know, the, the longer they get to crow and make their noise and cause grief, that's just the more rewards I'm going to get and the harder they're going to fall. The greater it's going to be when they go down. And so, the reality of what we're seeing today in the independent fundamental Baptist world is where we, 
where we have so many people too who are just abandoning certain things that I have stood for for years. You know, while you have others who are still standing for those things, is you got one person. You know, think about why is it you have one person who thanks God for what they were taught in their IFB church, and they say it saved their marriage, saved their home, while you have others who are blaming the IFB for their PTSD and mental issues and all that kind of stuff. What is the difference? The truth is, some people did these things hoping it would make them happy. They did things focusing on themselves, thinking this will please my flesh for some reason. This will please my flesh. But the truth is, there were others who did these things because they loved God. This is love of God. We keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. Some people started doing the things they did not to find happiness. They did it because they loved God. And their happiness, their joy comes from pleasing God. It brings them joy to please God. And I'm telling you, we would think something was wrong with you as a parent if the most miserable time of year for you was Christmas and your kids' birthdays because it just tore you up making your kids so happy on their birthday. Open those pre- if, it, if it tears you up watching your kids open presents and have joy and jump up and down, if, if that tears you up making your kids... Something's really wrong with you. And the, the thing is, some people, that's how they act about the things of God. It's like, Really? Making God happy is making you miserable. That's really selfish. You know, I could have, you know, used that money and bought some golf clubs. I had to buy presents for my kids. You know, I could have, I could have used that tithe money to buy something, but I had to give it to the Lord. Something's wrong. You, you had a problem with making the one who saved your soul happy, the one who gave, gave you eternal life. That's weird. That's, that's really, really weird. But there's people out there that are like that. And we've got to do these things for the right reason in order for them to work. And I'm telling you right now, if you do not have joy in your home, it's because your focus is, is all wrong there. And nothing that you do is going to work. You can wear the longest skirts in the church, lady. Guys, you can have the shortest haircuts. You can be the most hardcore IFB, you can do all the outward things that would make everybody look at you and say, wow, you guys are so IFB that, uh, you know, uh, they're giving you a trophy for it or something. But it doesn't matter. If your home is miserable, your kids aren't going to want what you have. And so with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word and the lessons that we can learn from it. I pray, Lord, that you'll use these messages to just help all of us to evaluate the things in our life, our priorities, and help us to make sure we're not lacking any of these things. Help us to not be foolish enough to think that uh, we can turn out a good product by leaving out these crucial ingredients. And I pray you'll just give everyone success in this areas. And what we are trying to do here and promote will be something that will continue on to the next generations. In your name we pray. Amen.